Welcome to Believing the Bible with Scott Lane and Terry Reed of the San Antonio Bible-Based Science Association with a message of hope in today's troubled world based on biblical truths. We hope that today's program is enlightening and inspirational. Welcome to Believing the Bible. This is Scott Lane with Terry Reed, Dr. Carl Williams, and our producer, Ed Salzadel, all directors of the San Antonio Bible-Based Science Association. We are here to reassure you you can believe the Bible from the very first verse. It's kind of a myth that evolutionists put out that, well, you creationists, you're just all science deniers. You don't believe in any kind of science. We're going to focus today upon the things we do agree on in life, in reality, and in science. Maybe the first one is we agree that natural selection is an operative force in nature. What we're going to find is that there are different degrees of this. Evolutions believe that natural selection is a driving force in nature, a creative force adding information, an adaptive force, and a molding force. The creationists have a very different view of that. Carl, you were talking about this in the pre-show. The definition of natural selection is something that many creationists don't like to talk about in too much detail, but basically when you have natural selection, it means that there are pressures on a particular group of organisms. Let's just say the dog kind, for instance. The dog kind moved into a drier and hotter climate, then the dogs with the shorter hair survive better than the ones with longer, thicker fur. So that is a selected force, and so those that with the shorter hair reproduced more successfully, and that is a form of natural selection, if you will. Now, you can argue about whether or not that is a, uh, a evolutionist term or a creationist term, but it is a term that sort of defines selective pressures on groups of organisms. Now, where I disagree with the evolutionist is that the natural selection process can actually add information. And the more we see about genetics, where there's epigenetics, in other words, epigenes or the controlling forces for genes that make genes switch on and off, that is more likely what's happening in some of these populations where the epigenetics is helping the creatures adapt to local environments without adding any new DNA. These are already designed responses in the DNA, not added information. Correct. The evolutionists have been unable to show where any new information has been added to the populations but rather, we see there's a decrease in information. In other words, in the horse kind, we have the uh, donkeys and zebras and the standard horses, where when the horse and the donkeys interbreed, they produce a generally sterile offspring in the mule. So, no, I say generally sterile because they have found mules that can sire offspring. So, but still, you know, we're talking loss of information as opposed to increasing information. So the, the wider the separation of different groups of organisms, the less they begin to resemble each other. So if they're separated by hundreds or thousands of miles, the, say, organisms of the dog kind, the wolves, they tend to become more and more different in how they look because the remaining creatures in their respective areas have a, a very limited they limit themselves more in their uh, gene pool, if you will, and therefore they look, they'll begin to get more and more different than the original dog kind. And I, I think it also needs to be pointed out that most of the variation that you're talking about that gives 
natural selection, a chance to work, comes from sexual reproduction. Right. It does not come from genetic mutations adding information. That is actually another thing that we agree on, both evolutionist creations. We agree that variation occurs from one generation to another due mostly to variances in genetic coding which are pre-programmed into an organism's genome called alleles. That is, substitution patterns for codes which can readily fit in and which all code for information. The, when they charge that, well, you don't even believe in natural selection. No, we actually do believe as natural selection is a, an operative force, but we don't believe it's a creative force, and we don't see the data to support that. And one thing that the evolutionists forget is <clears throat> you use the term natural selection, then you're selecting from something that's already there. There. It's like going to the grocery store. You select from what's there, not from what's not there, yeah. or what will be there later. You know that you, you get what's there. That's one of the huge leaps they have because natural selection could not have produced life from non-life. You only can operate on what's going to react. A rock doesn't react, okay, and that type of thing. We also agree that mutation occurs and causes more variation, but creationists always see these mutations as what? Detrimental. Detrimental, a loss of information. In some very narrow senses, it may give an advantage one way, but the disadvantages that come from that loss of information do not, not make it a spur forward. Correct. The biggest, most touted example is that of sickle cell. And sickle cell uh, anemia is the result of having both genes in the organism to be with a sickle cell trait. So if someone has, let's say, a mixed heritage, in other words, they have a sickle cell trait from one parent but not the other, in other words, they have one good gene, one bad gene, they'll have, in general, fairly normal-looking hemoglobin. But they, they still have some of the uh, S gene available, which can be tested for. And when that individual is stressed, such as going to high altitudes, the sickle trait can then become manifest. In other words, they actually have a sickle, sickle cell crisis where they can have blockage of blood vessels almost like someone with a full-blown two-gened sickle cell disease. So that is where the mutations, which is give some advantage against in the resistance to various types of malaria, is outweighed by the disease process that causes the, uh, the individual who has sickle cell disease to die at a very early age, and sickle cell trait people can have some issues as well. You're not as good off if you lose the brilliant coding that God gave us in the first place. That is correct. You're listening to Believing the Bible. This is Scott Lane with Terry Reed and Dr. Carl Williams. If you would like to learn more, go to sabsa.org. That is S-A-B-B-S-A dot org. Today we're focusing upon the things that we actually agree with evolutionists, but also they're twisted or tainted by worldview in both cases. We agree there was a beginning to all existence. There will be an end to existence. The Bible talks about that as a beginning and an end. And now, because of the second law of thermodynamics, the evolutionists believe in that same thing. There were a lot of philosophies over history about there being an eternal earth, a Gaia, even the steady state theory where just there's a weird place out there in space where things were just popping into existence. But our belief systems now are consistent on that, that there is a beginning and an end. And that's consistent with the Bible. Right. Psalm, the 102nd Psalm 
talks about the universe wearing out like an old garment, which mm -hmm. is the second law of thermodynamics. So that was the Bible described the second law of thermodynamics. I think a long time before scientists were talking about it. Three thousand years, just three thousand. No. <laughs> Yes. I really get disturbed when I hear an evolutionist dismiss creation science as unscientific and ignorantly tell people that those people referring to us don't believe in mutations, survival of the fittest, variation, or any other scientific tenets. They set up straw men. They say, okay, you don't believe this. That's not true. We don't believe it in the same way they do, or we don't see the same operative outcomes in nature. That's a true thing. We believe, and the Bible tells us, that at one point, all the water was collected in one place. Well, if that's true, then all the land was collected what? In one place. In one place. Ooh, Pangea. It's in the Bible. What do secular beliefs of Earth's land masses believe? That at one time... All the continents were together. All the continents were together. We have agreement here, but we really differ on the mechanisms of how they got to where we are today. And how long it took. And how long it took. Psalm 104 talks about the mountain ranges being raised up, and the, the continents <coughs> being raised up, and, and the water running off. Well, we would agree with secular scientists on that as well, except they would have just said that the mountain ranges took very long periods of time to be raised up. Mm -hmm. Terry, in the pre-show, you were talking about how you agree with Dawkins. That's a rare thing. What was that about? Okay, well, I think Dawkins has it wrong on almost everything. But I think I could sit down and have a conversation with the guy because I think at least he's honest, he's genuine. And something I agree with him is theistic evolution is wrong. Don't try to take what the Bible says and make it fit with what Darwinian evolution mm -hmm. or the or even the uh, Earth being really old. We agree that theistic evolution doesn't make sense. Lawrence Krauss, I would agree with him on that same issue as well. Yeah, because we get in trouble when we start compromising ourselves. When we start getting away from not only what the Bible says, but also what just experimentation shows. When we start letting philosophy rule that. Another interesting thing that uh, creationists and evolutionists agree is that the planet will not continue indefinitely. If everything is going to end, materialists, those that believe matter and energy, all that exists, have a number of scenarios of how man will end or even life on the planet will end. Some of them think the Earth will be hit by an asteroid or comet. We're real concerned about that today. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The Earth will be fried by a solar flare. We're concerned about that one. The Earth will be destroyed when the sun goes nova. We will be destroyed by climate change. We hear just a little bit about that today. No, yeah, just a little bit. But eventually, due to the second law of thermodynamics, everything is winding down. The entire universe will suffer a heat death. And in fact, the Bible predicts that the earth will be destroyed by what? By fire. By fire. He had already destroyed it by water, but the bow now tells us that will not occur again. But we are in agreement with things, and folks, we don't need to allow them to say, okay, well, you just have no belief system in normal science. We do, but we are not clouded by their worldview. And certainly any kind of starts with a presupposition or two. And what that presupposition is will dramatically affect how one views the outcome of any scientific endeavor whether it be looking at mutations, looking at the genetic inf information that we have within our cells. The presuppositions that the evolutionists carry have hindered them 
in looking at something as, as intricate as the DNA molecule. We all agree, the creation scientists as well as uh, evolutionary scientists agree that the DNA is a, a remarkable molecule that's so dynamic as well as just I don't think it's been fully understood as to how much information it contains. Yet, our presupposition is that from the creation standpoint, that God created this, the master designer, the master programmer of ourselves. And when the evolutionist says, well, the master programmer is random chance and chaos. And so the presuppositions are totally different, whereas we agree that the DNA molecule is a magnificent structure. Information for creation events in our area are on our website's calendar page. For more information or to schedule a presentation, go to sabsa.org or call 210-599-7240. When you go to our website, you can click on a link to our newsletter. Our website has a link for contact information on which you can order our newsletter to be emailed to you or you can call us. Also go to whyshouldyoubelieve.com. That is Terry's website containing articles looking at current day issues from a biblical perspective. Sabsa meets the second Tuesday of each month at 7 p.m. We are now meeting at Faith Lutheran Church just south of the corner of Jones Maltzberger in Thousand Oaks. There you will find biblical apologetics and creation science teaching found nowhere else in Bear County, as well as the availability of books and videos on these important subjects. If you missed any part of this show, you can listen to the show anytime by going to the AM630 KSLR, the Word in South Texas website. Click on KSLR Podcast, scroll down until you find Believing the Bible. Please join us again next Saturday for Believing the Bible. I'm Scott Lane. And for Terry Reed, Dr. Carl Williams, and Ed Salzwell, thanks for listening. And we hope you found today a reason to believe the Bible.